listen, fuckhead. Fuck, you know, yeah, you, you, you can do whatever you want to do. You can put me on mute. You can turn the goddamn channel for all I care. What the fuck are you doing? And you're listening to us now. So obviously you hit the fucking you switch night, asshole. Ladies and gentlemen, it is now time for the Royal Grumble. I am your host, Graham, and I'm in La La Land today. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> you're looking at me. You're looking at me like that, Daryl. You're not, you're not, nothing's going to change. This is how it's going to be for the next hour. Okay. Uh, so, just... I think, we need, to, I think we need to work on his wellness policy. You guys have moved around, I just realised, of course. So the whole I've... room's moved around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well... <laughs> My point is, now, in the corner to my left, fighting for freedom, justice, liberty, and the American pursuit of happiness, this is Daniel. Hello, Daniel. Hello. Hi. I'm never sure if I should call you Daniel or Dan. Are you I, really bothered? I prefer Dan. Yeah, uh, Dan it is then. And sit to the right, like the US title everybody's held him at some point, it's Daryl. <laughs> Thing is, Graham, I've come up with an intro for you this week. Oh, <laughs> all right, you're right. So, in conjunction with WWE's... Um, New new partners <laughs> competing in the Special Olympics, going for gold. It's Graham. Oh, look, you did there. <laughs> Everyone's a winner in that one. Graham, that's offensive to people. I don't care. Oh, I know. <laughs> you really enjoyed the. Uh, no, I can't. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna literally now scraping to find a different news story to transition into now because I feel like if I make the joke, I'm gonna make it probably get us in a lot of trouble. No one listens, so it's fine. <sighs> Brock Lesnar's on the cover of WWE 2K6 17, even. Yeah. It doesn't really mean much, does it? I mean, it's good, but like, whatever. I like to think, because you remember that thing they said a while ago, uh, it was when CM Punk was doing his like Moni interview, and uh, he was like, you know he was on the cover of WWE 13, yeah, and he said that THQ went to WWE and said, we're going to put CM Punk on the cover, and they went, no, 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 you don't want to do that. No, no, Seamus. <laughs> <laughs> Who's buying a box with Seamus on it? Seamus' mom was like, oh, well, I've already got plenty of pictures of you, son. Yeah, in plus, plus like ginger in it. So. <laughs> Anyone else you're going for this week, Daryl? Special Olympics gingers? I've covered two disabilities there. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenal. Speaking of disabilities, uh, what, what culture pro wrestling? Oh, are we just <laughs> launching into this now? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, have, have either of you got anything to say about Raw? Uh, not really now well the one thing I did want to say about Raw was that they addressed the elephant in the room straight away only did they really because they came out and Seth Rollins was like oh I don't, no one's supposed to let me talk about Roman Reigns but I'm going to talk about him anyway here's the tweet that's loaded up on the screen yeah so yeah. Oh, oh, well, you're not allowed to talk about him but now that you have well we'll just load up his tweet on the screen and let you talk about it for a minute and even then it was like oh He's uh, he's suspended. Oh, he's bad. And Ambrose was like, "No, he's all right. He just made a mistake. Everybody made a mistake." Where do you think they go from here? Do you think this means that they're just going to carry on with their? Uh, do you think they're going to carry on with their whole Roman's the face of the company thing? Or, yes. Yeah. 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 Seems like it, doesn't it? <laughs> I thought it actually might change something. You know, the lead star being on drugs. Drugs are bad. It's just it it depends thing. what he's tested for, doesn't it? Yes, but they don't reveal it, do they? Yeah. From there was a rumor going around today that it was marijuana and amphetamines. Yeah, it'd have to be synthetic marijuana because the real one don't get you. A yeah, amphetamines get... do though. Oh, okay. So it might be like a pre-workout that has something in that type of fit bullshit. That's why they're kind of taking it easy on him and not 
like they actually mentioned him and he's still got his title shot and all that stuff. He still failed. It's still a cheat. Like, in the grand, obviously, wrestling's predetermined, yada yada. But in the grand scheme of things, he's still, he's still a druggie. I don't care what drug it is. I don't care if it's something banned by their sub. It's something banned by their substance policy. He's a cheat. Yep. Yeah. It's really hard to tell because they don't announce what it is, and you're not going to get any indication from him because he's such. It don't matter what it is, though, does it? Because they're not well, they're not banning him for taking Coca Cola. Yeah, they do not, have like, they, like they're banning him <laughs> for taking like performance enhancing substances yeah. or illegal drugs. Like I'll I'll use the UFC example. I know their testing is way more stringent than WWE's is. But what then you think? you've had a case with a fighter called Yoel Romero, who he tested positive for a steroid, and he claimed I hadn't taken it. The only thing I've changed is this supplement, and they got an unte- an unopened copy uh, thing of this supplement and took it to them. They tested it, and it did have this steroid in it without being listed on the packaging. So he got his suspension taken down from two years to six months. So things like that do happen. You've got BJ Penn who's just been suspended for using an IV out out of competition. Like I know their testing is a lot more stricter, but there is things like this. It should still carry a punishment. Yeah, he still used a, a substance that's banned. He should be more careful. It's his responsibility. But at the same time, I do feel like it's going to be more one of those cases. And the fact that WB has completely ignored pretty much everyone and saying we don't want this guy and carried on with him. This isn't going to stop them either. This is the thing with the Roman Reigns thing is like it's these people, um, they have to be role models in some way or another. Especially if WWE are going to continue this idea of selling to ti- selling to kids, you know, selling these like larger than life superstars as role models for children. I still do, I I said it when we did our show about Roman Reigns, and I stand by it. How can you put him on a lunchbox now and sell a kid? There, there's your hero. Don't worry about the fact that he did drugs and all the cheating and that. It'd be fine. Like, I don't see many Lance Armstrong uh, lunchboxes out these days. There was a ton of Randy Orton and Rey Mysterio ones, though. Yeah, but, like... They, they, they both tested then. quite a few times, and Randy Orton's definitely one of the did faces. Did Rey Mysterio? When did Rey Mysterio? Rey Mysterio's tested positive, I'm sure. Did he? Yeah. Are you sure about that? Allegedly. I, I, I will find Randy it. Orton definitely did, don't get me wrong. Yeah, because Randy Orton's the one who's tested positive a few times, and they come up with the whole time frame thing, where, like, oh, you got to test three times within this time frame. Yeah, he was. He's been suspended twice because he got a sixty-day suspension on his last one in twenty twelve. Fuck! Did they say what it was for? No. It, yeah, that was his second strike. His first Smack. one was two thousand nine. Do, do I have to sing my song again to suggest what it? Well, you got to do to Rey Mysterio's. Oh, no, I'm not doing that. Okay. Boyaka, boyaka, crack cocaine. Boyaka. boyaka. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more along the lines of boyaka, boyaka, four twenty. Or something along those lines. Do you remember when him, him and Rob Van Dam did that double leg drop and they were like, they call this the 420 because that's the combined size of their shoes. I was like, fuck off. That's the biggest <laughs> load of bollocks you have ever fucking seen. Bret Hart was complaining about something. Of course he was. What do you think Bret Hart was complaining about this week? Uh, Kids on his lawn. <laughs> I, I sort of made it up a more public forum, but okay. Yeah, Is it, uh, probably was. Because Goldberg booted him in Ed. Um, and now he's in WWE 2K17. No, it wasn't that. No, oh. no, better than that. He feels like Curtis actually deserves a bigger push. Do you want to do the show yourselves? <laughs> I, I don't know if I've got the energy to. Have you got somewhere to go? Montreal, maybe. Yeah, like... no, he lives in Florida now, doesn't he? Like... Yeah. D- d- what? Oh he, he, he deserves a bigger push. Is yeah, that yeah. What, is that what he said? Yeah, basically said. Uh, well, he turns up to wrestle in like shorts you can buy from Primark for a kickoff. 
<laughs> Secondly, right, he's going bald as fuck. So like, I know I want to talk, but like, <laughs> I'm not trying to be a wrestler. No, like clinging onto my hair. Like I just shave it off. Like if I were a wrestler, to be honest, he's not clinging onto his hair. He's clinging onto the hat that he's put over the hair that's gone away. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he's got a shit name it's better than Michael McGillicuddy but it's still a shit name and that's not entirely his fault but still it's part of the package but when are we going to get the genesis of the beginning of the beginning of the genesis of the the, re, the revival of the genesis of the beginning of McGillicuddy Curtis Henning Kurt what what is it, what, what's his real first name Joe Joe yeah Joe yeah. Joe Henning see he's Hennig. not even interesting enough to remember <laughs> the real name of Henning Henning yeah yeah, I think they do pronounce it Henning though. No, it's got it's not like Nen and it's Hennig. Oh, is that what? Is that what you heard? Yeah, when Kurt were alive, me and me and Kurt Hennig were friends. He's Mister Perfect. I'm Mister Not Quite as Perfect, but close. I feel like your name is slightly more cumbersome. Yeah, that's probably why Mister Perfect had a better career. There you go. Then yeah. uh, that explains a lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because uh. I weren't quite as perfect, but close. No, I thought you were dynamite myself. I was. I was dynamite when, when you wrestled for One PW. <laughs> I don't know any money. <laughs> this is like Pavlov's dog. <laughs> what? I don't know what that is. Explain. What? The thing where you ring the bell. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> I did know that. I was thinking of Schrodinger's cat for a second. But you obviously know what Schrodinger's cat is if you've mentioned that as well. Yeah, I don't I do. know what Schrodinger's yeah. cat is. I don't, I, but I know what Pavlov's dog is. <laughs> Schrodinger's cat is basically where you put a cat in a box with a lethal uh, radiation atom and yeah. you close the box and theoretically at that time the cat is either alive or dead because you don't know if it's alive and or dead until you open the box it exists in both states at the same time it's a thought experiment but it'll be dead though won't it no because um the radioactivity might not affect might not have affected the cat yet so it could still be alive in the box it could be dead but you how long you leave it in the box how long you leave it in the box for i, I feel like you're missing the point here it might yeah. starve to death <laughs> wrestling wrestling <laughs> Let's talk about, pro yeah, let's talk about something equally as confusing. <sighs> I, I literally, right, obviously we do the show every week. I literally avoided this after I knew that you'd both watched it because I want to enjoy your reactions well, to it. The whole thing with it was I sent you guys a message saying, oh, what culture are putting up their first episode of their TV show tonight? We should probably cover it because uh, there was a lot of good coverage from their TV show, uh, from the recording of it, and a lot of the wrestlers would talk about how great an atmosphere it was and all this stuff. And, you know, what culture do have a big reach, so you think, oh, they could probably do quite well. And by all accounts, the viewing figures off the YouTube video so far are quite big. Like, I don't think any UK promotion can match, like, 100,000 views in one evening for the matches. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are, you, are you implying that, like, UKW couldn't do that as well? Definitely not. I, yeah, you better not. UKW were actually on TV and couldn't get those figures. <laughs> uh, I thought you were I thought you just saying you weren't implying it. So you are, you're not only not implying it, you're outright stating it. As far as I know, yeah. So yeah, I, I told, what about Leeds professional wrestling? Was that a thing? <laughs> I don't want to I, get I, into I, that. If, you know what I, it is. If like. you mention like some on door, you get free pie and peas. Oh, it's, <laughs> okay. Yeah, uh, I, I'm, I don't. Yeah, these right. these are catering. just references for like yeah. four people. <laughs> We're catering to them, though. You know, it's yeah. it's a good thing for them. So yeah, um, I sent you guys a message, and I watched the show, and I instantly sent you a message saying, "Don't bother." <laughs> well, I did. Yeah, but you watched it. Um, you you were more excited about watching it after that. Yeah, well. Here's the thing, right? I'm a big fan of Kayfabe Commentary's Guest Booker series. This is going somewhere, by the way. I'm not just changing topic because I don't want to talk about pop <laughs> culture, right? Um, you guys are aware of the Guest Booker series, aren't you? We know, yeah. we all know what yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm a fan of it too. Yeah. In that series, a lot of people are found out 
on that series. Jim Cornette being prime example where everyone thinks he's a genius. He turns up, he can't do a guest booker because he just fucks it himself. Bearing in mind he's, he can do whatever he wants on it. He just fucks it and then he's found out for being a fraud. Wasn't he the one who did the invasion and the main event of the invasion was Hulk Hogan against Dusty Rhodes? That, that was one of the matches um, that was put himself on the card. So he was managing Dusty Rhodes and Jimmy Hart was managing Hogan. I think the main event was a WWF-led Austin versus WCW-led Mick Foley. The opening angle of that feud was to um, have Ric Flair come down and offer himself out um, to do like shoot fights with WWF wrestlers. Um, yeah, so that gives you an example of the genius of Jim Cornette. Um, Doesn't Kevin Owens hate him? I Kevin ima- always hates his fucking guts. Yeah, yeah. I imagine so. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure Jim Cornette was like, "Yeah, you're never gonna, you're never gonna do anything, mate. You're too." Yeah, like same that. with Generico, Sami Zayn. You're never gonna do anything, mate. Too slim. The Young Bucks. Yeah, uh, it's too small. Yeah, but the, and then the other two, like Steve Carino and Cole Cabana, because they were all involved in the feud together. Well, um, apart from the Young Bucks, the other four were involved in the feud together, and Jim Cornette just told them they were shit pretty much and didn't pay any attention so they got away with a lot yeah was that when he was booking Ring of Honor yeah and the minute that he got sacked they brought in Kevin well Kevin Steen and El Generico back to do a match because yeah. that's yeah. what people wanted to see wonder where they, where did those two end up uh, I know where Kevin Steen is he's Kevin Owens in WF I don't know where El Generico has gone he works in an orphanage now alright oh, anyway sorry you were saying about the guest book yeah okay Colin, Jim so Cornette, what, which... what culture WWE or What Culture Wrestling on the YouTube channel they do a series called How I Would Have Booked yeah which is this Adam Blam Blampy I genuinely don't remember which one's which I know one of them's British one is a, it's one of them American uh, it's, what, the, right. it's the, it's really the main Adam one yeah yeah the one Adam that's Blam- on most of the Blam- Blampier or Blampied or Blampier yeah, right okay he that's not a real name <laughs> is it not <laughs> I'm calling him out okay he um Blampied. He does this guest booker thing where he how he would have booked a certain angle or a certain feud and he says he'd do it better. Do you know what it's worse than that actually? Sorry to yeah. interrupt you there, but I've just remembered what he calls it. It's how they should have booked. It's not even as bad as it's not even he's not even taking ownership of himself and saying how I would have booked. I'm almost certain it's how they should have done it. It, it might be, it might be, yeah. yeah. The point I'm coming across is he thinks he's got all these good ideas and I genuinely don't know who the booker is of this wrestling promotion. Oh, I, I would guess. I, well, I don't know if he's decided that he, he's going to do it because he does this guest booker thing. I don't know if they do it together. I don't know if they've gone to somebody in British wrestling and gone, we want to do this wrestling promotion. Can you help us out? And they've got somebody in that's a British wrestling legend or whatever and he's, he's doing the booking because he's experienced. It's a vanity project and it's fucking bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my opening gambit to yeah. this Dan's got a far more in-depth detailed uh, review slash note system on, on his little machine there I didn't write any notes because I didn't want to give it any time <laughs> basically it, it's it's a cunt show right so that's what I'm putting <laughs> out there right you've got this cunt that walks out with a cardboard belt and he's like oh I'm going to present the real belt soon and it's got this little what culture pro wrestling logo on it You've you've got the commentary team which is a bloke dressed as a king. Well, I remember a few weeks ago because, like, for some we subscribe to What Culture. Like, I do occasionally watch their videos. Some are okay, some are annoying. I watched a video with him on it, and it's the first time I'd ever seen him. And I think I remember messaging you two and saying, "This is guy is fucking annoying. He's just like he ruined the video for me." And he's the heel commentator, and he's awful all the way through it. Yeah, like it's just, heel commentators work if they've got a reason to be a heel so like when Bobby Heenan was commentator 
he was a manager of wrestlers. So yeah. like he's got a stake in the match. He's and he understood the business too. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. The, his, his knowledge of yeah, the business. But, was but spot th- this on. is going to come to my grand point in a minute. You've got um, Jerry Lawler when he was being a heel, and I think just before he got suspended, he was a heel as well. Yeah. Um, again, knowledgeable about the business, former wrestler, or when he was early days as a commentator, current wrestler, knows what he's talking about, might have a stake in the match or something larger because, you know, he's an active wrestler. So you've got people that are involved in the business being a heel commentator. He's just there to be a dick and it's not even entertaining. What the actual uh, play-by-play guy Oh, I've, n- I've never seen him before. No, I don't know if he's, he's another what culture guy. Is he? Yeah. I don't watch all the videos, but he he um he doesn't pronounce Ligero right in one of the things. I think he says L- Ligero. Oh, Jesus, that was nice. I think yeah. he says Ligero, right? Yeah. What, whatever you've pronounced it wrong. Michael Cole mixes up moves all the time. I don't really give that much of a fuck. That King guy. Oh, you said Ligero. <laughs> Ligero. What's his name? What's his name? Every t- he, he corrected himself. He went oh, Ligero, right? And then. When he said Ligero, the guy would, do you mean Ligero or Ligario? Well, he means Ligero, mate, clearly. Okay, now. What is that? It's a fucking cunt show. That's what it is. <laughs> I've, I've told you what it is. Cheers. Thank you. Genuinely. Thank we, you. We're, not, we're not reviewing show two. Fuck that shit. Unless somebody dies I, on their show, we're not reviewing show two. I'm, I'll, I'm putting a veto I'll, on I'll it. I'll quickly go through. Yeah, you can go yeah, through I'll this one. I'll go through the show. So this is the first and last review yeah. of What Culture Pro Unless Wrestling. something very newsworthy happens. I'll watch them, just yep. in case something... But it, unless something very newsworthy or very, very um, important happens that we need yeah. to cover... Like, we'll probably do something with Damien Sandow when he's yeah. on the show. But we're not fucking doing this weekly. Because yeah. I've spent three hours watching Raw and we review that most weeks. We're not fucking reviewing this cunt show. So yeah, like the first thing I noticed about the show is, like, you'll agree with this, the production value for the visual was really good. Yeah, like, yeah. It was on par with, like, most top UK promotions. Yeah. But the sound was fucking garbage. They yeah. just used the mics that plugged into the camera by the sound of it, and that drives me insane. I know a lot of companies don't have a big budget, so it can't be helped, but this company definitely has a budget. They have their own offices. Like, what culture has a big office and shit? They can afford decent equipment. They've got all this ridiculous, ridiculous production for their first show. You can afford to put a few mics in the crowd so you can actually hear the crowd in the matches. And for, there's something later on, which I'll get on to. You mentioned uh, the crowd. I think I know what yeah. it's going to be. Well, um, in between every single match, beginning of the show, the end of the show, in between every match, the What Culture guys are all over the show. Now, on previous episodes of this, I've bitched about the McMahons, about how they're all over Raw. And they're, like Stephanie's nowhere near as bad as this. It was so annoying. Like I couldn't give a fuck about it. I just want to see wrestling. Yeah, it's a pure vanity project. That's, yeah. that's what I said. Like, like, I don't know about you guys, but I've thought about, or, you know, if, if I had some money, how would I do an indie show, right? And, I mean, to be honest, what I would do is, like, if I had, like, millions, I'd just do, like, a tribute show to New Generation. Of course I would, <laughs> right? But I would not be on the show. At no point would I be on the show, because, like, what's the point? Like... I'm not. I'm not a wrestler. I'm not, oh well, you know. <laughs> well, mean, not anymore. Not, not anymore. I've retired. That's your retirement. Yeah. But that's but you know, but you know what I mean though. Like I, I wouldn't put myself out there because I'm not a performer. I, w- I wouldn't. This is as close yeah. as I get to performing. In, to be honest, every company I worked for, I only ever made one appearance, like in the ring, and that's because there was literally no one else could do it, and I was just a corner man. Like, and it wasn't like I got announced or anything. It wasn't like I was on the mic or any bullshit like that. Wasn't I that for Barroom Barker? No, no, it was oh. for uh, it was for another company at Skegness. Graham, have you ever fantasised about having your own wrestling promotion? Uh, no, no, I've never thought of that. That I definitely never went through with it. <laughs> oh no, would would you ever put yourself on air? Ah, uh, no, definitely not. No, Especially definitely. not as like an announcer of any kind. No, okay, no, yeah. that'd be a terrible idea. No, but so, but my point is like they, they wanted to be the stars of the show. Yeah. yeah, joking aside, like there's there's levels. Yeah, and like 
if you're because obviously a lot of people will do double duty a lot of people will run it and then they'll do something else yeah and you know i understand that so sometimes it's purely economical sometimes it's a vanity thing but generally you have to find a balance between putting yourself getting yourself involved and not taking everything over yeah it really sounds like this lot took it, everything it was over. they they legitimately took everything over so i'll quickly go through the match the opening match was alex gracie versus gabriel kid versus joe connors uh, alex gracie's all right i've never seen gabriel kid before but joe connors looks like a fucking star in that match first match in their promotion ends in a dq <laughs> what a triple threat match it was an elimination match so joe connors eliminates the first guy gabriel kid and then uh alex gracie had a bunch of guys r- ringside with him who attacked him Didn't have balaclavas. no there was no balaclavas on the show uh, uh, not so yet the second match was El Ligero versus Martin Kirby. This match has Did happened. you mean Ligero or Ligerio? Ligerio. Uh, <laughs> so this match has happened about 153 times, and it's always good. I think that's genuinely a conservative estimate. Yeah, it's it's always good. You can't go wrong with this match. Yeah. Both of them are great. Like, that's fine. I've probably seen it in double figures. Yeah. Like, I'm just thinking that now. I think I've actually seen this match in double figures, which so, is fine. Like you said, it's always a good match. The third match is Joe Coffey versus Prince Amin. I ain't seen... I ain't seen Prince Amin in a little while. I'm happy to see him. Uh, that match ended in a count out. So the second fuck finish in <laughs> in three matches. Prince Amin. Money making Mo Montana. Yeah. yeah. There you go. You know it now. Yeah. I, I know. I knew him before. <laughs> What's our I'm, opinions on Prince Amin as a wrestler? I haven't seen him in ages. He wasn't very technically gifted, but he always. I like the character. Yeah. Yeah. One particular promo that I liked is it was in uh, Balby, Doncaster in the United Kingdom. For who? Uh, it might have been one PW. I wish I'd not wasted the uh, wasted the old catchphrase on the no. earlier. No, if I'd known uh, I, I don't know any money. And there was a rather um, gobby woman, um, <laughs> mouthy, lippy, you know, shouting stuff. And he just looked Are we at her. About cocaine Lorraine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, might be, we might be talking about cocaine Lorraine. I'm gonna add absolutely no context to that. Carry on. Um, and he looked at her and said, "In my country." You would be drowned, <laughs> and for that that line alone, he will forever be one of my favourites. That's phenomenal. He always used to wrestle the shows in Cresswell, and he was the smartest guy in the room because he'd do these four corner elimination matches, and he'd start the match by getting on the mic, cutting a huge promo, and then have someone roll him up and pin him and eliminate him straight away. <laughs> he did this like two or three months in a row. Smart fucking guy. So yeah, that was the second foot finish. The main event was Joe Henry versus Big Damo. Winner faces Rampage for the title in episode Joe two. Henry had a good intro. I was going to say, well, I actually saw that because I'm a big fan of Joe Henry, so I follow all his intros and stuff like that. So I actually saw the intro from Joe Henry. Did you watch the separate video of the intro or did you watch the actual match? Separate video. Because on the actual video of the match, I mentioned the sound problems and they were using the mics on the camera. <clears throat> So Joe Hendry gets, he's quite over, like, especially on the internet and stuff, from doing these really like inventive intros for each of his matches in ICW. They have him do this. He's doing this song that's about, you can't hear a fucking word of lyrics for two reasons. One, they haven't used the video um, audio into the, into the feed, so you can't actually hear the lyrics properly. So then it's just the live audio, and it's just noise. And then you've got the annoying commentators, including Adam Blampied now, because he's managing Rampage, because he's the uh, heel guy. What's he is? Talking over the lyrics. Fucking hell. Don't yeah. bring Joe Hendry then. Bring somebody else. Now, that's not saying yeah. that's not a um, dig at Joe Hendry. He's very good. Like, he's, yeah, once he's in the ring, he's barely yeah. technically com- uh, competent, as well as obviously the whole intro thing. But if you're going to do that, just don't bring Joe Hendry. Bring someone else or don't have him do the, uh, yeah. don't have him do the funny intro. So, yeah, the match was decent, but then Can I had I point a, had a out finish. the one thing I didn't like about the match? Um, 
they copied the um, thing he did in ICW. Do you know with uh, the guy that cross-dresses, I think? Mikey Whiplash. Yeah, is it Mikey Whiplash that went to grab yeah. him from the back? He was like, I'm not having this and just storm back. So yeah, him out. they yeah. copied that open to the match um, with this video. And it does make sense. Cause like, why would anybody just do that? But I feel like they saw that and went, ooh, ooh yeah. how they should have booked. <laughs> uh, Big Damo, I think, is the co-head trainer of Source Wrestling with Mikey as well. Right. So it makes sense that he'd do it as well. But the other thing about that is, the whole point of this is it's the first show, right? So surely if you're introducing the guy with the gimmick that he plays funny videos to take the piss out of the opponent, you introduce him and you establish that and you establish that. And then someone like like they did in ICW with Mikey yeah. Whiplash, he eventually went, you know what? All the rest of you can fucking stand for this. I'm not going to fucking stand for it. I'm going to go and get him and drag him out. There's no, there's no building to that. Now. Yeah, they just yeah, jumped just straight, straight to it, yeah. straight in because they stole the idea. Yeah. And then the show ended the, with them presenting the belt, so more what culture guys. So you got to see the what culture guys more than any actual wrestlers. It was really frustrating. You get the feeling that if it wasn't for those guys putting themselves on the show all the time, they'd probably have something half decent there. Uh, it, it'd be uh, we won't we still won't be talking about it, but I just won't be annoyed. Yeah, it's just they're all over it, and it's really annoying. Like the production things can be worked out. It's the first episode, but. In terms of them being all over the show, you need complete less of it. You need commentators who know what they're talking about. But like they're using like well, one thing that annoyed me as well. well. One thing, another thing that annoyed me is um, one of their guys, one of their what culture guys, is called Jack the Jobber, right? Which yeah. you know, I, whatever you want to call yourself on YouTube, give yourself a funny name. That's that's fine. But then, like on in the context of a wrestling show, is that not too like self-referential? Like this yeah, is Jack just, the Jobber. They continue to reference that. Um, that cardboard belt they have, they feud between each other with it on YouTube. I haven't yeah. seen those videos. I haven't seen them either. But they referenced but... that on the show and I was just kind of confused. I'm like, they, they fight over cardboard belt. Anyway, I, f- I think we've spent enough time on this. Yeah, th- this has been far too long. Yeah, it definitely has both yeah. sides of things. Well, I'm glad I didn't watch it and I'm also glad that I heard you two talk about it. <laughs> then let's talk about the best title ever, the American, US and United States Championship after this. The best looking man, the best dressed man, long limousine, jet airplane, custom made clothes, and any woman in the world I You know, if I was to say to you guys, a legacy of greatness, what would I be talking about, do you reckon? Um, you got anything? Uh, David Cameron's convert conservative leadership. <laughs> <laughs> no. Boris Johnson's leave campaign. No. What wrestling related would oh. have a legacy of greatness? Uh, the legacy with Manu. <laughs> no, Sim Snooker, obviously. Mm. No. The member of the Samoan family is in the Cruiserweight Classic. That looks he's like, actually related to them. I had to he looks like that. a mini Roman Reigns. That's who he is. He's yeah, just like his fucking he's, cousin. He's cousin. Like a proper cousin, not like, oh, I'm the rock and I'm your mate. <laughs> no, the, the United States Championship. Okay. I guess so. We're not going to stop talking about American things. We're going to actually talk about them now. See what I did there. In America. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. US Championship. So, uh, first of all, uh, hello to Danny Glover. Thank you for providing us with this DVD to review. And we have looked at several different matches. I've 
looked mostly at the little interstitial bits with JBL, so I'll be getting to them in a little while, which <laughs> should be a bit of fun. You got the fun assignment. Oh, I did, yeah. Well, the whole thing begins with a sort of generic USA is good video package. One of these ones is like, there's a fucking eagle, and it's like a big flag, and like everyone's like, oh, fucking America's meant, look at all these buildings that are in Washington. <laughs> Ignore the slums next to it, it'd be fine, everything's fine. And then it lists... Several people who have been the United States champion, as JBL sort of talked over it, and it's like, oh, all these guys have been US champion. Now, here we are. Enjoy this list. So, first person, Ric Flair. Okay. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Second, John Cena. Yeah. Yeah. Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Rusev. Yes. Mm. Mm, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> Daryl's right there. Lex Luger. Yep. <laughs> Fucking love Lex Luger. Yeah. When he had American pants on in WWF, you were meant. Yeah. Not really related to that, but yeah. yeah. Booker T. Yeah. Don't hate the player, hate the game. Yep. That was actually on the start of his theme music and everything, wasn't it? Yeah. Until they changed it. Second one was better, but it doesn't matter. No. Well. Stunning Steve Austin. Yes. Yeah. Coffee yeah. Kingston. <laughs> oh, you know Coffee. that third of the UJ? Oh, yeah. Yeah. The one that. Sometimes jumps on chairs to make sure he don't get out of like battle royals and stuff. Yeah. Yep. List literally mentioned in the same context as Ric Flair, Rick Steamboat, Steve Austin, and Dusty Rhodes, who's the last one that's brought up. So we progress from this video package to JBL talking over his own theme music, then over this sort of again generic USA is good sort of music. JBL can't look at the camera. He can't. Like, he literally flips between looking straight down the camera, which I assume is what they're trying to do, get the whole address to camera thing, or, like, looking past it. And that's that's not the little shots where they're, like, filming him from a side camera where, you know, the, the intention is they're obviously yeah. like, trying to film him from a different angle. There, This is literally just, he's, like, he flips between, like, looking straight at the camera and then looking away as if he's sort of drifted off into some kind of parallel universe. So that was a fun start. But the first match on this DVD... It's incredibly poor footage, but it is Ric Flair against Ricky Steamboat from Asheville, North Carolina. It may be the earliest footage they've got of a United States Championship defense. This is when it was still the Mid-Atlantic United States Championship. And Andre the Giant is the special guest referee. Now, the odd thing about this is Rick Ricky Steamboat looks absolutely fucking jacked. He looks massive, right? I... Maybe I'm misremembering things, but I didn't always remember him being like quite a big guy. He was always sort of fairly athletic, but he was never sort of an upper body. Like he looks fucking huge in this match, and it's not just compared to Ric Flair. It's just in general. And when you consider Andre the Giant's in the ring as well, it's like he looks massive. He looks like roided to fuck. Now he might be. I don't know. I'm not throwing any allegations out there, but he looks absolutely huge. And I guess the problem is that the footage or the footage is awful and the sounds crap. I'm quite glad that they included it in the sense that obviously it gives some kind of historical context to the Mid-Atlantic United States Championship before it becomes the uh, National Wrestling Alliance's uh, United States Championship. But whether it needed to be on there, I don't know. Maybe they could have shown clips or stuff. Incidentally, there are no clips surviving or there was no video taken when Harley Race won the title for the first time. So there's sort of some implication there that he might have been talking bollocks, but I don't think I necessarily buy that. Yeah, we're probably talking bollocks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> well, Harley Race. Yeah. Surely not. Yeah. 
Uh, Can I just a quick question? Yep. If this was the Mid Atlantic United States title, mm-hmm. then it changed to the NWA United States title. It did. Does this have a lineage to the NWA North American Heavyweight Championship? No. Okay. Just wondering. I see what you're trying to do there. <laughs> Any excuse to mention Jeff Jarrett in the NWA? Yep. In the new generation. Well done. Cool. Match after this is NWA Worldwide, which is Roddy Piper against Greg Valentine. This is really odd because it's in a studio, so most of and most of the actions filmed with a wall behind it. So there is <laughs> there is a crowd there. There's like a very small crowd, but most of the stuff you see, there's just like there's actually a massive Union Jack behind it, and there's like four, maybe five flags there. And obviously, it's it's Roddy Piper before he was well, he was Rowdy Roddy Piper before he was the Hot Rod in WWE, and it's Greg Valentine Valentine before he was the Hammer in WWE. So they are like echoes of the people you recognize, but they're not the same person. Yeah, it's quite a good match. You've there's a bit of a theme with this DVD, which I'll get to in a bit, and I would include this. In it, but there's also quite a good promo by Greg Valentine before and after. Um, because I th- oh god, I can't remember now, I should have written this down. But somebody comes in and attacks Roddy Piper as well, and then Piper fights him off, and that's how the match ends. But it's again, it's it's quite interesting to see wrestling in a different environment, the sort of studio environment that I don't think again. I, again, I feel like did, maybe gone. Did you never watch uh Memphis Wrestling on Wrestling Channel? I didn't. Oh, no. that was in a studio. That was shit, but it was good. Was it? <laughs> good in the best shit way. Yeah. So then we move on to Tully Blanchard against Magnum TA. Now, this yeah. is a I quit steel cage match. So it's a double stipulation type thing for the, uh, I believe by then it's the NWA United States Championship. Yeah, this was 85 when yes. it was definitely like NWA brand. So, so it's, it's sort of evolved from the Middle Atlantic belt to the more famous National Wrestling Alliance belt this point I, I believe you watched this one as yeah well, i watched this one uh, first thing i want to mention about it is uh our favorite barista uh, tony shivani is doing commentary yeah and he he's is. got a nice mustache <laughs> i actually made a note about that <laughs> later on yeah tony shivani's mustache for the win yeah he's got he's got this little mustache and it's him and jim ross commentating on this match i believe yes i believe yeah. so uh but it was really weird like watching the match because on the version I, I watched it on the network there was hardly any commentary on the match like they kind of just let the action play out on the on the network version, there's not a lot of commentary on the actual DVD itself. I would say it's probably yeah. like unedited. Yeah, it was really nice to watch it where they kind of just let the action in the ring. And this match was brutal. Like they both bled quite a bit, and it was pretty like stiff match. And it wasn't like it looked like a fight, which was really cool to see. It was just like rather than just doing the usual thing where they do a big spot and they put the mic to him. Most of the match, they are just like rolling around with each other, trying to put the mic in each other's face, saying "quit, you bastard" or whatever. And yeah, I would have to say this match is fucking brutal. Like, yeah, it really is, especially the finish. Yeah, the finish was great. It uh, really was. Uh, the crowd's mad for it. The crowds. I mean, obviously, yeah. you know, it's one of these things. Wrestling crowds, obviously, have were hotter back in the day. Various different reasons, not being smart, not having as many different things available to them, the internet, things like that. But the crowd is absolutely mad for this match. They fucking love it. Yeah, um, and it comes through. The finish of the match was so great, where it's uh, Tully Blanchard's already qu- bleeding quite badly, and Magnum TA's got this like the wooden stake that's like a broken chair. Well, you remember, so- yeah, somebody throws yeah. a wooden chair into the ring. <laughs> I think it might be Baby Doll. Yeah, Baby yes. Doll's is Baby Doll Valley, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so she throws that in the ring. It gets broke. Tully Blanchard breaks up to try and use it. Magnum TA gets hold of it, and he like stabs him in the head with it, 
while Tully's still shouting no, and then starts properly stabbing him backwards and forwards in the head until Tully's, Tully's just screaming, like, yes, I quit, I quit, please stop. Tully's just, screaming is harrowing. Like, yeah, it's... it's <laughs> I don't imagine there was a great deal of selling involved in this. I think it was probably very (laughs) physical, but I mean, it was great. Like it was very engaging. Like really the first match so far that I could say that you absolutely should have had this match. This was definitely a match that you couldn't have done the DVD without. Yeah, it was brilliant. It really was. You know, Tully Blanchard does um, motivational speeches in prisons now. Really? Yeah. I watched Table for Three on Network the other day. It's Flair, Anderson and... uh, yeah. He was he was another guy I met at the uh, convention in Texas and he was brilliant. Uh, he wrote a, a, a I can't say the word, um a, fi- a quote like a quote from the Bible. He wrote it on the on 8 by 10 for us and was talking to us for a long time and he just seemed like such a nice guy. Like and it wasn't just cuz I'd handed him the money, he was genuinely interested in everything. He was a really cool guy. And that signed quote is framed on Dan's what? Oh, no, it's no, not. No, it isn't, sadly. It's because it's a Bible quote and he's not a big fan of the Bible. We do have a, <laughs> uh, we do have a, a signed picture of Noam Dar, though. So I'm all right, to be honest. Bloody brilliant. JBL then comes back in and he... he Here he is to ruin things. It's not far off that, yeah. Like, I thought... I really wasn't sure. I, I must admit, I went into it assuming I would hate it. And actually... Not the DVD, but JBL's little sort of interstitial bits. And I, I didn't hate it as much as I expected to, but he's just so fucking annoying. And worse than that, because I do get the feeling that he really does love sort of watching all the sort of classic footage, yet when he's on here saying, oh, I love watching all that classic footage, it just, his face is frozen. He's like, got stone face, like, oh, I love watching all the classic footage. It's so great. And this is... He seems to have got a bit one of those like Michael Go faces that looks half melted. It's just kind of dead. And... All right, well, let's not insult him too much. I mean, you know, <laughs> he's still a human being, yeah. <laughs> too far. He's not all this, <laughs> So, obviously, we've led out with Magnum TA winning the United States Championship from Tully Blanchard in the previous yeah. match. And then JBL goes on to talk about Koloff, uh, Nikita Koloff coming in and the feud, the huge feud between Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff. And um, some might say it's Cena Rusev for the Cold War generation. I wouldn't because Cena Rusev like ripped them off completely. Yeah. But nonetheless, it is still like a very famous feud. And in terms of establishing the US Championship, it's absolutely vital to that championship being what it is today. Especially when you consider, as I say, they sort of, I wouldn't say nick the idea, but certainly run with a similar one with the whole Rusev thing. Yeah. This was where I noted. Tony Giovanni's moustache, by the way. This is where I really like... Because he comes into the ring and announces, uh, literally um, announces the match before he does anything else. Like, And, um, I mean, the venue just looks packed for this one. It seems like a really sort of... I don't want to say like a sweat box, but it's like... Because actually the space between the fans and the ring is actually quite great. But the venue just... Like, so many people shrieking, screaming. And the venue is just... Seems massive. Whether it is or not, I don't know. I didn't really look into that so much, but it seems massive, and that's what makes the match really seem like a huge deal. Now, I would say, in terms of everything we've seen so far, this is much closer to a modern match than maybe even some of the ones that we see after this, because there's a lot more high-impact moves than I expected in this. Even when you look at like uh, new generation WWF stuff and you know, times before that, like your you rock and wrestling type of era, yeah. Um, I'd say there's actually a lot more sort of high impact wrestling in this match than you would see in a lot of those matches. Now, obviously, part of that is because of the intensity of the feud, but 
Nonetheless, it's really interesting to see how similar this could be to something that you might see today. Uh, there's piled right Magnum TA, basically the finishes, Magnum TA hits Khrushchev, who's with Koloff, with a pile driver on the floor. And I don't mean like, oh, on protective mats. I mean like on the fucking floor, <laughs> like full on like concrete and everything. And that looks brutal as hell. But then he gets back into the ring and I think it's, I think it's off the distraction that he, was it, did you watch this? Match? I didn't watch this match. Okay, no. well, sorry, fair enough. Okay. Well, that wasn't, I think part of the reason I didn't really notice the finish as much was because when it happened, everyone stands up in anger. Like, you wouldn't really see that now. The, the, in terms of reasons why people get up, the reason the p- people get up is someone's won a match and they can all run forward or they're cheering or anything else like that. I've, I've never seen, well, maybe not never, but certainly haven't seen for a long time the sort of rage that you really feel off the building when the Russian, Nikita Koloff, has won the United States Championship. And I guess it's the sort of thing they were looking to achieve with the whole Cena and Rusev thing, and they did to some degree. But nonetheless, it's it's a really sort of electric moment because you feel the people's anger. And it's it's not quite as bad as starting a riot, but you, you would absolutely believe that one could break out. And it's a credit to this feud of how important it was to that champ- to the championship that it's uh God I've lost what I was saying, but anyway, that is quite good. Yeah. Um there's a weird bit after this. So JBL comes back on and he talks about he talks about Nikita Koloff taking the championship and then Nikita Koloff losing the championship. Um and he talks about Koloff losing it to Lex Luger, but he skims over the fact that Luger was the heel. Because basically after Koloff beat Magnum TA and then Magnum TA had his uh, career ending injury. Koloff then turned face with Dusty Rhodes to face the Four Horsemen. Yeah. And that was what led to the match between Luger and Koloff where Koloff lost the title. But it's skimmed over. It's really odd because JBL almost presents it as if like, oh, well, the Russian won the US Championship, but don't worry, the American got it back later, which is what happened. But by the time that Luger got it back, and you can tell from the audio in the background of the clip, people are not happy about that because Koloff made a huge face turn. I think he disregarded Khrushchev, he disregarded Ivan Koloff, the former WWF world champion, and became quite a big face for uh, the NWA at that time where he was, basically anyone who was aligned with Dusty Rhodes was a huge face. So this leads into the Sting and Luger match, or the only Sting and Luger match that we've got on this ma- on this DVD, which it's it's again odd because you get very used to seeing Sting and Lex Luger sort of teaming together, working together, and it's well known that they're obviously very good friends. Uh, yeah, in this match, they're like polar opposites. Like, they're not getting along as well at all. Uh, yeah, one thing that did make me laugh was that Flair comes out to rescue Sting at the end of the match. I was like, that'll definitely end well. I bet Ric Flair will definitely not turn on you after this one. I didn't even know the context of where it was, but you just know with Sting, Sting trusts anybody. He's like, oh, I've got a little mate. Oh, no, he's turned on me again. Bloody hell. Classic. A bit clingy, Sting. <laughs> Stingy. Cling. No, uh, it doesn't work, does it? When that many people turn on you, have you ever thought the problem might be you? <laughs> so, the DVD then the DVD then jumps ahead. I'm, I'm not. I mean, it doesn't jump directly in the way I'm sort of 
putting it, but it jumps forward and we come on to the reign of Goldberg. So this is Goldberg against Raven from Nitro after Halloween Havoc. Yeah, the Nitro match, the Raven's Rules one. Yes, so yeah. it's Raven's Rules, Raven against Goldberg. Raven's won the title uh, the night before, I believe. Yeah. And he has this match with Goldberg, which <laughs> is... I mean, it's not the start of Goldberg's push, push because by this point they're already billing him as 73 and 0, but it's where he starts to head up the card. Yeah. Now, you guys both watched this match, didn't no, you? No, I've, uh, I've, I've seen this one before, but I didn't watch it when we were doing this TV. All right, okay, yeah, that's fine. Um, well, Dan, you watched this more recently, and obviously, Daryl's say you've actually seen the match before as well. It interested me that uh, the way, the, basically, the way I sort of came out of it was that it was overbooked, but it was glorious. Yeah. Like it was exactly how it needed to be. You've got the up and coming babyface Goldberg going against the dastardly heel with who's finally got a title, <laughs> who's got all his mates in the flock behind him, and nonetheless the under well not the underdog obviously it's not the same thing but the the powerful heel is still able to smash through all the barriers in his way and achieve his goal of winning the United States Championship yeah you watch this match and you realise oh yeah that's why Goldberg's a massive star he was just he just runs through Raven and the flock in this match and the crowd's really into him and everything it's just okay you can see now why this guy became such a big important part of WCW absolutely and uh, he he continued to retain the United States Championship. In fact, when he faced Hulk Hogan for the World Championship, that same yeah. night he'd also beaten Scott Hall for the US Championship, which enabled him to go on and face Hogan at the Georgia Dome. And they showed clips of him winning the world title at the Georgia Dome and then talked about the fact that he relinquished the belt. And then JBL comes back in and he talks, well, this is JBL's talking about all this, obviously, and he comes back and says that DDP encompasses the great American spirit, which <laughs> is really odd. Because, like, don't get me wrong, I think the DDP encompasses a great American spirit. Uh, DDP, you're going to come or whatever. We, we, we love you, DDP. Please please keep retweeting us. But <laughs> but um, it, it just seems like all of a sudden they're like, and DDP was really bloody good at being American and stuff. And then, but they don't go on to show him American win made. the title. Just, yeah, he encompasses the great American spirit. So this is where I left the second DVD. The third DVD is where it starts to become WWE's version. First, initially, of the WCW United States Championship, so when the WCW invasion happened, and then moves on to the actual WWE United States Championship. Now, just before I do that, there's, there's, there's a bit where he talks about Lance Storm winning the championship, and obviously Lance Storm winning the Canadian Heavyweight Championship or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, with the label on it and everything, which was brilliant. Let's be honest, that was pretty funny. But JBL completely struggles to, struggles to keep a straight face when talking about Lance Storm as one of the greatest United States champions of all time. Yeah, he's, he's probably not one of the greatest, but there's people on this DVD that also aren't the greatest. So, like, What are you playing? Are you saying something about Test? No, I'm actually not. You better not. No, no, no. Don't say all about Test. Test one of my favourites. Test Test Against Edge from Survivor Series 2001 is on this DVD. Yeah. Is um, is Test still dead? I will check. Live it's been update. A, it's been is a Test while. still dead? I, I, I realise that it won't have been updated, but I just wanted to do it anyway because bow to my whim, Daniel. Yes, Test is still dead. Oh, yeah. sorry, everybody. Test is still dead. 
Thanks, everyone. It's not been updated since the last time. <laughs> no, it hasn't. No, no, I know. But we're still going to keep checking well, why it. Why would you not update that every day? It's one word. Exactly. I'll you'd, take the account. Yeah. I'll do it. You'd set up a tweet deck, wouldn't you? Yeah. Just Yes, yes. But then it, it jumped the shot for me when, when he said no that one time. Uh, a lie, isn't it? You watched Undertaker against Kurt Angle. Are we skipping... The Greed 2001 match. Oh my god, yeah. We, well, I am by accident, sorry. I completely... Oh, is that on the documentary section? It, it is, sorry. My apologies. There's a whole section that I've actually... I must have completely missed Yeah, because uh, I, I watched a match from like 92 era. It uh, wasn't a thing. I didn't know if it was like on a special feature or something. Or... No, no, it's all, no, it's all in the um, in the title. Sorry, I've been moving so far ahead that uh, I had it in my head that you were going to talk about Angle and Undertaker, but I forgot actually... Let's go back to what Dan was going to say first of all, and then we'll move on to the uh, the 2001 Greed match. Well, I'll just quickly talk about the match I watched, which was Steve Austin versus Great Muta. Um, this was during the era where I think um, Bill Watts took back over as Booker, and I- I'm guessing it's that era because of the finish. Um, so the match is really good. It's Steve Austin in his early days, a stunning Steve with Colonel Parker with him. Great Muta's there in his early stage, who's really great by that point. It's a really good match, but then the finish is uh, great. Uh, Great Muta's kind of clearing house, so Steve Austin runs at him, and Great Muta backdrops him over the top rope. So it ends in a DQ because over the top rope is a DQ, which is kind of a bit of a shit finish. But it was a really great match, and it was during a time where the WCW the it looked like Steve Austin was going to progress up the card after winning the United States title, but instead he got teamed with Brian Pillman. Did all right. Can I just say something like just about the whole over the top rope rule? Um, do you remember when? Adam Pearce was the NWA champion and he had the champion for champion match against Nigel McGuinness in Ring of Honor. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember someone specifically saying like two or three weeks before that match was booked, this is how it's going to end. Nigel McGuinness will throw Adam Pearce over the, over the rope. Adam Pearce will come back into the ring. Nigel McGuinness will beat him, but then someone will reverse the decision because the NWA rules state that you can't throw someone over the top rope. What do you think happened in the actual match? <laughs> Probably that exact thing. Yeah, that exact thing. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's disappointing, that isn't it? It is. Especially Why do you have a rule like that? I don't even think they still use that rule. Which it, was... it was like an early, like seventies and eighties rule, and then when Bill Watts came in as Booker, he decided the thing that's ruined in WCW right now is all these new modern inventions. Let's go back to taking all the mats away from the outside of the ring. No over the top rope. It's a DQ. All that stuff. I don't think he lasted six weeks. It lasted long enough to put Ron Simmons as the champion. Yeah, he did. For perfectly legitimate reasons. <laughs> Nothing to do with diverting attention. What? Nothing. Move on. Okay. Talk about Greed. Okay, so one of the matches I watched was Greed 2001, which is the champion, the United States champion Rick Steiner, the dog faced <laughs> gremlin, <laughs> versus. Your favourite Steiner. Yeah, my favourite Steiner. Versus Booker T. Um. Now, I wrote a quote down, and I don't know... This must be from one of the pre-match promos or something, because all it says is, I forgot about all the player haters in the back. So, <laughs> I don't know why Booker T forgot about him. Uh, oh, was that Booker T that said that? I thought that would have been a quote did, from Rick did, Steiner. I've got a quote from Rick Steiner. Oh, okay. So then, what I like about both these guys is that before the music, it's got the little catchphrase. So, Booker T is obviously, don't hate the player, hate the game. Then it cuts into his music. And Rick Steiner's is... You want some? Come get some. You don't like me? Bite me. And then it plays the music. Oh. Um, 
while Rick Steiner's beating piss out of him, <laughs> he then shouts, you think you can take my belt? You ain't taking shit. And then proceeds to beat him up again. Brilliant. Um, Rick Steiner puts on the laziest fucking chin lock I've seen in my life. <laughs> I don't, you can show me a million Randy Orton like chin locks. This one by Rick Steiner takes the fucking piss. It probably makes it worse because he beats the fuck out of people and then puts on just... Yeah, he just sits there for... Oh, fuck knows how long, but he sits there for what seems like forever. And Booker T's selling it, like properly selling it, and he's just lazily just sat there, just with it on, hardly any facial expression, just heavily breathing because he's <laughs> fucked. Um, uh, this Book- was after his feud with Chucky, wasn't it? Way after, yeah. Uh, yeah I imagine right, so, yeah. yeah. Probably considering the company closed like the next night or whatever it was, it probably would have been. So, um, leading into the finish, Booker T kicks him in stomach and then he goes for a scissor kick but between kicking him in the stomach and going for a scissor kick to back ahead he spends a good 15 seconds just celebrating with the crowd so he kicks him in the stomach turns around and starts like waving his hands that's and right, yeah i saw this as well yeah he did, that was really strange yeah that's like it takes forever and then he does the scissor kick um, Maybe that was Triple H's revenge at WrestleMania. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, getting, he's, like, he's getting retribution right. for Rick Steiner. Get retribution for my boy, the dog face gremlin, Rick. You <laughs> think you can fucking fuck around and wait and just somebody's just going to wait for you? Well, fuck it. Pedigree, 20 minutes later, <laughs> I'll pin you. Prick. People like you. Carry on. So I don't know if Rick Steiner kicks out of it or if he, Booker T just does the spinner rooney straight away. But he, he does kick out of it. Does it? Okay. Yeah. So Steiner he goes kicks out of the scissors. Kick, yeah. oh, the, sorry, the ghetto blaster. <laughs> See, I avoided calling it that. Yeah, funnily enough, they dropped that when they went to the WWE. Did they? Can't imagine why. So Do he does a spinner Rooney. The announced team, which is... Do you know who the announced team is down on this one? Tony Schiavone. Ch- Tony Schiavone, Mark Madden? No. Is it... Um, is it not Mark Madden? I just no. heard a really fucking annoying voice and assumed that's who it was. Mike Tanay? No. Oh, uh, he, he's, he's commentated in WWE before. Oh, fuck. Really? Yeah, with Arn Anderson. Oh. <gasps> Oh, the man, the myth, the legend. Scott Hudson. Scott Hudson. <laughs> Tony Schiavone. WCW's lead announcer for two shows. <laughs> um, because they hadn't picked up anybody else's contracts because they hate Schiavone and they couldn't be asked with Mike Tanay. So yeah, so they do, he does a spinner rooney, but they just don't acknowledge it. They don't even say like, what's he doing in the middle of a match? They say, oh, that's a spinner rooney. Or what, it's probably not called a spinner rooney at that point, but they just no, do. I think they do say that's a spinner rooney. No, they don't acknowledge it. Cause sure? that, yeah, because I, I wrote it down, they do not acknowledge it. Well, weird. Um, then, it's the motherfucking franchise, guys. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ, I forgot that about this match. <laughs> so Shane Douglas is just there. He's got a cast on his arm. Um, I put Steiner did him wrong they probably explained it I don't remember what happened he cracks that Rick Steiner back at head oh, ref takes a bump somewhere uh, cracks Rick Steiner back at head uh, Booker T does book end slash rock bottom uh, gets the pin and they then announce that being the US champ makes you the automatic number one contender for the world heavyweight title oh is that is that always the case or was that just now considering that they had to get the title off of I, Scott I genuinely Steiner? don't know I, it, uh, I'll I'll, I'll Getting on that one, basically, they they did that because the WWE sale was already going through. Well, you see, I didn't know if it was. Sale, I, was like, I didn't know if it was because obviously Goldberg was the US champ when he won the world title, so I didn't know if they did it all the time. I just thought, did they not? No, it wasn't okay. a rule. I think it's just something. That, like, I think they would tend to do that more often than WWE would do. Intercontinental champion means that you're, yeah. They, but nonetheless, it wasn't like a rule as such. I think 
Although I think maybe when it was the NWA, it was a rule, wasn't it? Wasn't it usually that like whoever was the United oh, there's something like that. See, the only thing I know like this is that bullshit TNA do where um, if you win the X Division title, you can cash it in for a world title shot. But only at Generation, uh, not Generation X, Destination X. Destination X. Because they're currently doing some bullshit with uh, Mike Bennett, who's trying to win the X Division title, so he can do that. What TNA are doing some bullshit? What a strange yeah. thing. Speaking of which, by the way, um, I, uh, I think I, you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. Right? Okay. I know that we've always said we'll never cover TNA, right? And I am breaking this rule next week for one match, one match alone. And one match. Daryl, can you tell us what match that is? Well, all I've seen is like a trailer for it. It's Matt Hardy versus Jeff Hardy. In the ring, it all began. Like oh, the, actual, yeah. the actual ring, it all began. You know, in the little, like we talked about yeah. the skit a couple of weeks ago. Like that actual ring that it all began in. That one. The one that it all began all in. All I'm saying in the trailer is Jeff Hardy fires what looks like a rocket launcher at Matt Hardy. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Hardy's house burned down and he's firing rocket launchers around. Play that happens. Fucking hell. Anyway, uh, this is this is not wrestling. Now this is tangent. TNA. So let's move. All right, so we jump into WWF now. Yes, let's jump to the WWF and let's jump to, as you mentioned, your uh, Undertaker against Kurt Angle match. Yeah, so this is partway through the Alliance feud. I um, I saw this on the network, so I saw an angle before it, um, which is Stephanie talking to Kurt Angle. Did Did you guys watch this match? Did you see it? Uh, I well I the, on the DVD it's just the match. Okay, so she talked she talked to Kurt Angle and they're talking about um, Vince has said that someone's going to leave the alliance but they don't know who it is and obviously it turns out to be Kurt Angle he jumps ship um, but he's in the alliance at this point. So at the end of the promo he he he's got I don't know where he gets it from because he's got his singlet on but it's shot from the waist up. He he picks up this Stone Cold Steve Austin hat, baseball cap, and puts yeah. it on his head, and he just looks like the biggest fucking dog. He comes out in it. No, he, yeah, he does come out in it, but in the promo, he's got it on. <laughs> it just look, it just looks so funny. Um, he comes out with a belt. Did you notice his Graham that he just looks like he fucking picked it up out at Ben? Yeah, he really does. <laughs> like, oh, the fuck up yeah. I genuinely think leading into that Survivor Series, they were like, "Oh, we need somebody to be the United States champion for a little bit." Um, Kurt Angle's American bloke. Just just do Kurt Angle for a bit and then he must have fucking lost it to Edge or some gun. Yeah. I think it was Edge, in fact, because yeah, Edge yeah. faces Test at the, as we mentioned, Edge against Test. Yeah. Test is still dead. <laughs> um, so there was some thing with Kane weren't the week before where Angle and Austin battered Kane or something, or did just Angle battered Kane? Yeah. Probably, it, it wasn't mentioned. Well, it was mentioned. On oh, maybe, the, I'm literally yawning. Yeah. That, oh. Maybe it was what I saw then, because obviously I saw the, a little bit before that yeah. on the network. Um, the match was all right, I guess. It, was, it wasn't really anything. Um, I, don't, I, won't really, I don't know why it's on the DVD. It's not really. Is it? I mean, I reckon part of it could be just to get The Undertaker on the DVD and cut I, ima- the I DVD. imagine so, because. Like the stuff that we've covered, other than Rick Steiner versus Booker T, seems to be like monumental. Oh, that's a point I wanted to make about this as well as I don't see how this was a monumental sort of like legacy United States title, but not really. It's not I suppose really. my matches that I've covered aren't really monumental <laughs> moments. Uh, how odd for you. I know. Um, but yeah, so like, I don't get why this is on the DVD other than the reasons you said that is it to get Undertaker a payday? Uh, for Royal is on the DVD well, it's definitely not to get fucking Kurt Angle a payday is it Jesus no. they don't want him to have that it's be Undertaker like oh I had a match for that title once chop me on the DVD what, but you you never even want to put me on the DVD alright well, will you come back and do wrestling I'll think about it alright okay don't, don't beat me up Mr Undertaker both yeah. your wives look the same so he, he comes down to rolling 
Uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, that's still on the DVD as well, which you know, is why I'm so confused. Why it's, why do they sometimes edit it and sometimes not? I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so it comes down to rolling. Everyone's favorite Undertaker theme, other than yeah. Uh, You've done it yeah. now. <laughs> You've gone and made a big mistake. Better than the instrumental version. That one. Yeah. Why would you have the instrumental version? Why does that exist? I don't even know. Um, uh, there's not really much to say about this match because it's it's basically just a match um, to sort of get Austin to come down and pack it for Cat of Undertaker because that's how it ends, really. <laughs> yep. See, when I looked at the match listing, I was thinking, oh, I should really watch something from this era, but there wasn't a single match that caught my attention on this section of the DVD. Well, there was, there was another match on the third DVD that um, I think is worthwhile talking about. And we could talk about the Cena and Rusev match. I don't... I, I Which one is it? it. I, I genuinely... Is it WrestleMania I, one or... I don't know. I genuinely don't remember. Um, I wrote it down somewhere and I forgot. If it's the WrestleMania one, then the highlight is him coming out in the tank. Yeah, I do remember. I remember that about that WrestleMania match is that the best part was at the start. And even I'll agree with that. And I'm not like Dan's, you know, Rusev number one fan club. It's because I knew how it was going to end. Yeah, we did really. And it's a logical end, but... Yeah, I I wasn't You did still cry, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, we we tried this too. I'm, I'm glad it started again now. But let's talk about the definite, real, and absolutely 100% actual main event of WrestleMania 20, which is John Cena against the big show, <laughs> which definitely was the main event. It was the biggest match on that show. Just you, you I don't... thought the main event was no. Triple H versus no. Shawn Michaels. For the oh, yeah, versus title. Stevie Richards. What? Oh, Triple H and Shawn Michaels compete for the world title, yeah. Yeah, I thought that was... That oh, was yeah, it. I'd forgotten that one, yeah, yeah. Well, if you go... Like, I remember you and I at WrestleMania 27... Not 27, we 29. didn't go to that we one, 29. 29 yeah. Yeah. And in the program, they have pages from all the WrestleManias. <laughs> and on WrestleMania 20, you turn it over, there's this fucking massive picture of Cena. Like, I swear to God, it's 75% of the page holding the United States Championship. And then there's like a little bit of the rock and sock connection against Evolution. And I, there might even be a picture of Triple H in his like white boots and chunks. Yeah. And it might be Kurt Angle and Eddie Guerrero. Possibly. Because yeah. like, they're not ashamed of mentioning him. And with good reason. Speaking of which, I forgot there's... Oh, well, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah. So, John Cena against Big Show. Yeah, so John Cena's over as fuck. He really point. is. I made that note. There's a fucking massive Cena chant when it starts. And Cena, even then, he really has the crowd in the palm of his hand. You can yeah. see why, at this point, they were like, yeah, this is, this is our guy. Absolutely. And even though, at the, at the time, I remember thinking... I never... I don't remember thinking at the time, oh, they're grooming this guy to be the top guy you can see why looking back yeah. because I mean we it was all pretty know, organic we all, yeah we all know how good he is now I mean admittedly you know it, it went down afterwards and there's a lot of people who complained about it I never did but there's a lot of people who were they are wrong because you watch this match and you're like he's only been in WWE for maybe a year or two no he's been over a year because he did the rap battle at 19 yeah so. he um, debuted in 2002 and this is 2004 yeah but this is, I believe, his first it's major his first WrestleMania as well. Yes. well. He did the Rap Battle 19, his first match at WrestleMania. Yeah. And it's, I tell you what's really odd about watching this match is hearing Let's Go Cena and just Let's Go Cena. It's, it's actually, <laughs> genuinely, it's, it's like, in your head, you're like, well, something's weird. He oh. just puts it in there. Like, right, that sounded weird. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> you're like, Let's go see now. Let's go see. There's, there's, no, there's no counterpoint to it, which is great. I enjoyed it more, if anything. But it's it's so funny how that's become so ingrained in our minds that 
well, let's go see this Cena sucks thing just always happens. Uh, he gives Big Show an FU. Yep. Which that's w- the thing I really remember this match, like him lifting him up. Yeah, it's so the first th- time you'd seen him do a proper like feat of strength, and it's really cool. Yeah, so that's like a proper WrestleMania moment, I think. Yeah, I agree. Until he did it every fucking time he wrestled. Twenty five, he did it to Big Show and Edge at the same time. Yeah, he was so, there. Like this is like one of my pet peeves. Where every time he gives Big Show an FU, or an attitude adjustment as it's now called, um, the announced team go, "Oh my god, he's he's picked Big Show up. He's given when he oh the time he did it to Mark Henry pissed me off the most because Mark Henry weighs less than the Big Show. Oh my god, he's picked Mark Henry up. Oh, he's giving him the attitude adjustment. Well, yeah, like a few years ago he did it to Big Show. He does it to Big Show every every fucking week. Did a great Collie and all. Yeah, so like a great Collie was billed as like heavier than Mark Henry. Probably. Probably. Great Cali had a lot less mobility to help him up as well. Yeah, but yeah, so, so like, I think at the time, this was like a proper WrestleMania moment, the slamming of Big Show, because yeah. not in the same way as Hogan slamming Andre, because obviously that, they would like the two fucking big stars, and as much as John Cena is a big star now, he's never going to match Hogan, and at the time, obviously, he didn't match Hogan. But like, it was a big guy in terms of like size. Um, slamming the biggest guy yeah. on the roster, which I think is impressive. Yeah, I agree. Overall, I really enjoyed this DVD. I must admit, if I hadn't been presented it, I probably wouldn't have purchased it because I feel like the United States Championship, even compared to the Intercontinental title, and even though it has a different history from obviously WCW and NWA, and I think there's definitely an argument to be made that it was probably more prestigious at various times than the Intercontinental Championship was. I think it just it, it lacks a bit of the luster even as early as like the mid nineties. I think the issue with a lot of these DVDs is you just got match, match, match. Yeah. It's like, there's no, I think you need a documentary in it with matches as extras. And when there is a documentary, it's fucking JBL. Yeah. But very short. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like a feature length or like an hour documentary. Yeah. Um, like the four horsemen DVD, the ECW DVD, things like that. They're, they're more interesting as purchases for me especially because we were all subscribed to the network. There was a few matches that weren't on the network, which obviously they're to entice you buying the DVD. But like, like, so you covered the Ric Flair match, which before we went on air, I said I really wanted to see. Yeah. And I wouldn't have bought the DVD for something like that. that yeah. So as a purchase, I probably wouldn't recommend it. Um, but if you, if you just subscribe to the network, you'll get, you'll get a lot of matches from that. Yeah, the thing I was going to say about it, looking at the match listing and everything, it kind of shows how little the title means now. Because you look at the early matches and it's proper huge main eventers. Because the title then was kind of used, okay, if you're not in the world title feud, we'll put you in this, where it's you against an up-and-coming guy. So you had Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair and people like that. Uh, in the early 90s, it was definitely the up-and-comers belt, but most times, that, most times it was you'd go from the US title to the world title. Like Goldberg was probably the last big guy to do it. In the WWE, there's been very few people out. Like John Cena is probably the only example I can think of offhand of someone who actually worked his way up, won the US title, then won the world title. Eddie Guerrero did it as well. Eddie Guerrero. He won the United States tournament um, yeah. when they brought it back and then he won the WWE title. So yeah, and it kind of shows well, that how, like, you look at the legends who had the WCW title, uh, had the US title Edge, in the 90s. Edge won the WCW United States title and then won the WWE World F1 title. How long was the gap between those two? Oh, years, but... Yeah. <laughs> Four years. But yeah, there was a definite gap there. Yeah. Like, I, I get, I get yeah. what you mean. Like, Yeah, I was just being a dick. I know. Of course you were. So, 
I have a game for you both. Well, it's more of a quiz than a game. Oh, okay. I don't know how I feel about this. One on one, Dan against Daryl. <sighs> so, question one, and this is a multiple choice question. Which one of these has never held the United States Championship? Is it Jimmy Snooker, Randy Savage, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, or Roddy Piper? Dan, uh, Roddy Piper? Incorrect. Daryl, do you want oh, to... So it passes over. Can yeah. you read me the options again? Uh, well, Randy Savage, Jim, Jim Duggan, uh, Jimmy Snooker, and Roddy Piper, but obviously you're um, Roddy Piper. Uh, Jimmy Snooker. Wrong. It's Randy Savage. Randy uh. Savage never won the United States Championship. Jimmy Snooker won it, like, uh, years before. Okay. There you go. Number two, this is another multiple choice question. Uh, which one of the following did not hold the United States Championship in both... WCW and WWE is it Eddie Guerrero Big Show slash The Giant Bret Hart or Booker T Daryl Eddie Guerrero wrong fuck <laughs> Eddie Guerrero defeated Diamond Dallas Page fuck. to win the United States it's on the DVD isn't it DVD of course it is <laughs> watch the DVD you didn't give me the DVD can so. you read the options again please yes I can so Eddie Guerrero which is wrong Big Show slash The Giant Bret Hart and Booker T. Hmm. Oh, I think I know it now. Big Show. Yes, you're correct. It's he, Big Show. Big Show never held the yeah. title in WCW, but he did hold it in WWE's a one-time yeah, champion. Yeah, because Bret Hart won it from was it Heath Slater or something? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, Bret Hart won it when uh, he came back. The Miz, don't oh, don't Miz, is the Miz and call him Heath Slater, mate. <laughs> the Miz plus Heath Slater's never won out apart from a tag team championship. Number three. Ric Flair holds the record for most United States Championship reigns with six. Can you name three living competitors who are one behind? When did this quiz happen, by the way? Because <laughs> is it, oh, is it not today? No, have you just made the quiz now? I made the quiz. Oh, yesterday. Okay, okay, that's fine then. I yeah. don't know if you nicked it from somewhere. Yeah, I made it yesterday. It's all me. Okay, all me. All right, come on then. Oh, are we not? Have we not oh no, of course we've not got options. No, right, of course so, you haven't. Yeah. So he's held six, and we need people that have got five. Yes. John Cena. Oh, hang on. Surely we... Yeah, you should still buzz in. So. Dan, John Cena. Okay, that's one for Dan. Yep, John Cena. Who else? Uh, Dan Booker T. No. No. Incorrect, oh. right. I'm, I'm taking you out the board yep. now. Daryl, if you can give us... How many do I need? There's two more. There's two... Oh, there's, so there's only three that have got five there are, then. There's only three living. Do I come back into play if he gets one wrong? Uh, Yeah, why not? That'll okay. be funny. Okay. Um. There's only three who are alive. There are like... Six or seven, but there's okay. only three here alive. Uh, let's go for Harley Race. Wrong, Daryl. You back, uh, Dan. You back Ooh. in play. I'm going to give you both one more guess. Okay. Right. I'm going to go to each of you, Dan. Um. Ah, oh, Jesus Christ! This is tough. I'm going to go for no one. Tully Blanchard. Incorrect. No. Daryl, see if you can steal a point to tie it up at two-two. DDP. No, the other two are Lex Luger and Bret Hart. Okay. I thought you would have known Bret Hart, I must admit. I See, I, I nearly guessed Bret Hart, but then I'd, I didn't think he'd have won it four times in WCW before he won it the once in WWE, but obviously I'm wrong. So this one can't pass over because it's a true or false. Okay. okay. So it'll just be a case of first to the buzzer. Uh, true or false, Dustin Rhodes has won the United States Championship more times than his father, Dusty. Damn true. Yes, it is true. Dustin Rhodes won the United States Championship twice. Dusty Rhodes only won it once. 
For a bonus point though, can you tell me which one of them has the longest cumulative reign? So across the reigns that they had. Down Dusty Roads. Wrong! <laughs> so I can't give Daryl the point. Can you there, not pass that over? I can't pass that one over. <laughs> but actually, Dust, Dustin's two reigns uh, encapsulated more time than Dusty's one. Question number six. Who holds the record for the shortest United States title reign? Daryl. Is it Daryl? Um, Sting. Wrong. Dan, uh, can you get this one? I genuinely have no idea. You could guess. Just guess a wrestler. Uh, Chavo Guerrero. Oh. And he was the ECW think, title, wasn't I don't wasn't think he's it? ever won it. No, it's Steve Austin. Oh, okay. And I'll explain that one later, but there's another question that links into it. So, question number seven. Who has more United States title reigns, Dolph Ziggler or Kofi Kingston? Oh, fuck me. Uh, Daryl, <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler. Wrong! No, you can't have that one, I'm <laughs> yeah, afraid, Dan. But nonetheless, that's incorrect. Kofi Kingston has three. Dolph Ziggler only ever won it once. He's won it these... feels like three. Exactly. That's why I picked these two, because I thought, fuck it up. I'm sure they like... had, like, about a billion matches for that belt. Well... <laughs> It, I think it's basically just because they swapped between this and the Intercontinental title yeah. and no matter what belt was in the company it's like oh chuck them on to have a match question number 8 true or false so again buzz in obviously excluding the new WWE Women's Championship the United States Championship is the only active title not to have been won and lost on the same show Daryl false no it's true so the United States Championship has never been won and lost on the same show in matches the only exception to this was Steve Austin's reign as US champion as US champion I believe maybe his second reign lasted 35 seconds after he was awarded the belt and then lost it immediately to Hapsaw Jim Dongan oh I see that's what I meant uh, mm. of course it was yeah fucking bullshit uh, <laughs> and number nine who is the longest reigning United States championship champion in history I'm not talking about cumulative reign I'm just talking about who has the longest reign I'll give you a hint it was, it was pre-WWE oh, fuck's sake. and post-Mid-Atlantic it's NWA or WCW uh, I'll take a guess uh, Dean Malenko no not Dean Malenko Lex Luger oh, Dean Malenko held the belt he, for a he, fucking long time can you pass, pass that over to me oh shit <laughs> Oh. Is it Lex Luger? <laughs> yeah. Well, even if you'd fucking got... Yeah, okay. Well, but that double point, double still, point bonanza. No, you, no, you still lose 3-2. Oh. So I'll even give you that point. <laughs> Thanks, mate. An absolutely pitiful 3-2 <laughs> score by both of you. No, I'll, which fucking make, I'll fucking make it for next week and we'll see who fucking real fucking people are, won't we? Last time you prepared something for the show, we had to cut it for taste reasons. <laughs> <laughs> and on that bombshell, royalgrumble.podbean.com. You can find us on Twitter at royalgrumblepod. Send us an email at doylegrumblepod at gmail.com royalgrumblepod at gmail.com I can Dial. see you looking at me like that don't just yeah yeah did, did you mean Legario <laughs> oh fucking brilliant uh, royalgrumble.weebly.com is our website and you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash royalgrumble that is all say goodbye Dan bye say goodbye Daryl goodbye Daryl goodbye everybody bye.